Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a Wednesday edition of the PFTPM podcast. We're in Indianapolis, site of the Scouting Combine. We come here every year, and we usually stay for multiple days broadcasting PFT Live from the Media Center in Indianapolis and also getting as many interviews as we can of coaches and general managers. And some of them end up in the PFT Live show. Some of them end up posted onto stories at profootballtalk.com. Some of them will end up here in the PFTPM podcast. What I'm going to do today... Because we taped 13 interviews after Wednesday's PFT Live. I am going to play for you three of the interviews that I particularly like. Now, that's nothing against the other 10, but these are three that I thought were revealing. I thought they were fun. I thought they were interesting. And these are the ones that I have decided to play for you here. Number one, Steelers GM Kevin Colbert. Number two, Brown's new head coach, Freddie Kitchens, and number three, Buccaneers, new coach, but longtime NFL assistant coach and head coach and two-time coach of the year, Bruce Arians. Now, the other 10 you will see at profootballtalk.com. We will have interviews tomorrow on PFT Live. It could be that these three make it to PFT Live. It could be others that end up on PFT Live tomorrow. But one way or another, you will see and hear all of these if you want to. For now, these are the three that that for whatever reason resonated with me the most. So we're going to do them back to back to back. I don't have a whole lot else to say today. It was a long day. I'm worn out. I'm going to go eat a steak here in a little bit, and I'm looking forward to that. Kind of unwind a little bit after a long day. We have another long day tomorrow, although hopefully we won't have another 13 interviews. I don't know that I can do two days of that. And remember, on Friday, we wrap up the week with four hours live on NBCSN. Now, here's how this is going to work. Because sometimes we will do this. If you haven't heard, PFT Live will now typically re-air the two hours that we put on TV, the final two hours of the three-hour radio show. Those hours will re-air from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern. So it will be one hour of radio, 6 to 7 a.m. on NBC Sports Radio, two hours of radio and TV from 7 to 9. And then, that, and then after that is when it gets a little freaky because what will happen on NBC Sports Radio, the whole show re-airs from hour one, but on NBCSN, the simulcast re-airs from hour two. So it's going to be a little out of sync, like a Tarantino movie or something like that. Because if you go NBCSN between 9 and 11, you get an hour two, hour three, and you're going to be listening to radio, you're going to be getting hour one and hour two and then hour three. So I guess if you really wanted to, if you felt really compelled to do it and you really liked hour three on any given day, you could see it between 8 and 9 a.m. Eastern. You could see it again between 10 and 11 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And then you could hear it one last time between 11 and 12 a.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Radio. And now I need a nap. Uh, But regardless, that's what we're typically going to do. Some days we're going to do four hours live on TV. So it would go radio for an hour, radio TV for two, and then live TV and only TV for two hours after that. And that's precisely what we're going to do on Friday of this week to wrap up our time in Indianapolis. But 
That's Friday. Today's Wednesday. And today, three interviews that I'd like for you to hear. We're going to start with Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert, who made some news in some of the answers to our questions. There's a lot going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And here is an extended conversation with longtime Steelers GM Kevin Colbert. Joining us now, a guy who's had a very quiet and uneventful offseason in Pittsburgh. He's Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert. Kevin, welcome back to the program. How are you? Doing great, Mike. How about yourself? Oh, we're doing great. And uh, seriously, how how has this offseason, from your perspective so far, how how different has it been than your other offseasons in Pittsburgh? Really, I mean, in all honesty, it hasn't been all that different, minus a couple, you know, extra meetings that we may or may not have in a a typical offseason. But really, we've gone from end of our season which into our you know was disappointing by what we wanted to accomplish you move into the all-star season now we're moving into free agency and then the combine it's really unfolding as we you know usually do but of course there's some issues like with Antonio and the possible trade and things of that nature that we have to deal with but other than that it's been real real normal um, but unfortunate that we're working from a non playoff participant stature go go ahead you want to go go ahead go ahead all right well i I mean let's start with antonio brown i I guess the first thing i would like to know is when the season was over did you think it was still going to be salvageable the relationship or did you have a good feeling that there was trouble and it was over no i think any any relationship is salvageable um i've seen it you've seen it game to game play to play week to week season to the next season i mean players are very emotional I know Antonio was very disappointed that we didn't get in the playoffs, himself included. Um, You know, he wants to win a Super Bowl, and he's a very highly competitive person. Um, Did it unfold as as we all wanted it to? No. Um, And we're all disappointed in that because, you know, when when we spoke, I said I expressed my disappointment to him that, um, we may not win a Super Bowl together, and if he goes into the Hall of Fame, it may not be with us. And I'm disappointed because and when I look at it, I failed in not being able to, to get the most out of that, that group of players, himself included. And I think he's disappointed, and what we've all agreed on is, okay, we'll look at maybe moving forward, right. maybe moving on without each other. Um, but again, as I've stated many times, if it doesn't benefit the Steelers, it won't happen. Right. When you look back on everything that's transpired to get to the point where it now is, is there something that you can identify as maybe if we had done this differently or if we'd done this instead, it wouldn't be where it is now? I, again, Mike, I think it's uh, had we gotten in the playoffs in advance and given ourselves that opportunity. I think I know when that happens, the frustration level is there, the disappointment, the emotions are, are extremely high. Um, and you have to deal with that. You know, everybody does. Ownership, the coaches, um, myself, the players, we all have to absorb that and move forward. So really the only regret we have is we didn't advance further because I think if we do, a lot of these things don't transpire. Well, I mean, along the same lines, just quickly, because Le'Veon Bell, just did you ever think there was a chance he would not play one snap this past season? Really didn't. I mean, yeah. it's, that's unusual. I didn't either, right. It's not a usual course of um, action yeah. in a player's career. Um, so we just, we just kept going at every phase. And once we realized, okay, he's not coming in, okay, that's – Let's go. And James Conner did an awesome job in, in fin- filling in. He and Jalen Samuels and Stephen Ridley, you know, as I stated, 
I think we were 150 yards off our production from the year before right. from the running back position as a receiver and a runner. And that's nothing against Le'Veon. It's more of a compliment to James. But, no, I've never seen a player do it. I know a few have done it, maybe two or three in the past. Right. And whether it's successful or not, nobody knows, and we'll see. Um, we made the decision not to use the transition number because once it was determined it was going to be in excess of $14 million, right. we didn't want to take that part of our salary cap and, and have it held up for an unknown. Yes, right. Who is it that made that determination? Was that a management council thing? Was there a grievance that I don't know about? Because I know that there was there was two opinions as to what the transition tag would be. How did it come to be $14 million? Again, it, that's the number that they gave us. And I think it was an uncertainty because it's never happened before. So let's go through and make sure that we have this correct. And once we found out that the number would be the 14 plus, I think it was 14.5, we said, no, we can't. We can't afford to lock up that amount of money. And that's fine because, like I said, it's our job to take that, that available cap room and make the most of it. And, you know, James Conner and Jalen Samuels did a nice job of filling that gap. So we'll see what we can do moving forward. One more on Le'Veon Bell. One of the biggest problems was an inability to sign him to a long-term contract. And some would say one of the impediments there was the way the Steelers structure deals, the way guaranteed money is only focused on the first year. Does any of that experience cause the franchise to consider changing any of its rules regarding the structure of contracts, or will that continue to be the approach? No, we'll, we'll approach it as we always have. We think we're very fair in our compensation. We're very consistent in our in our structure. It's, it's the way we've done it, and it's benefited us, and it benefits the players. If it doesn't benefit the players, they're not going to sign the contract. And once they sign it, they have accepted it. Um, so they can say they might not be happy with it, but in all honesty, they were because they did. So we'll continue to, to do the things, again, that we think benefit us. And, again, the players aren't suffering from our structures. If they are, as in Le'Veon's case, he didn't, he didn't accept it, and that's fine. We can all move on. How about Big Ben? I mean, I know you made your comments about him last week, but just how does he handle maybe two of the best players on the team not being there? Does he, what's he like when all this goes down? You know, he, Ben is tremendously competitive, and he wants – the best available to him as we all do but he's also he's moved through different different levels of players yeah. as you know when he came into the league you know the 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 older veterans had to take him in right. and grow with him and now he's growing with what's around him so of course he'd want the best players he can have around him and again that's our job if we don't have a Le'Veon, which it doesn't look like we will. And if we don't have Antonio, which we don't know where that'll go, right. it's our job to fill in those blanks and get, not only give Ben the best chance to win, but give the whole team that best chance. Some people try to point fingers at Big Ben with this whole thing. I mean, do you think that's fair with, with like the Antonio Brown situation especially? Yeah, I, I think it's it's unfortunate because no, I don't believe that. I, right. I, you know, when I say that Ben is the unquestioned leader, he yeah. is. Right. I've seen it firsthand, you know, most recently this year in the Jacksonville game where he walked into a locker room, pointed the finger at himself at halftime and said he was, you know, he had a horrible first half. He's first and foremost to blame for where we are. But then he challenged the offense. He challenged the defense. He challenged the special teams. And then he backed it up with, with a winning performance. Amazing, right. So we've seen that before. Does that mean we don't have other leaders? Certainly not. I mean... 
Cam Hayward is a is a sure. good player and he's a good leader. Marquise Pounce, he's a good player and he's a good leader. But Ben's the only one that can say he won a Super Bowl for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. So he is different. And yes. I recognize it and I think the team recognizes that as well. Yeah. Let's play this out. You've said and you've made it very clear the Steelers want significant compensation for Antonio Brown. If you can't get what you believe is significant and acceptable to justify the trade and you go to Antonio and say, we tried, we weren't able to get what we want, you're still a member of the team. How do you expect that to play out? Well, again, as I stated earlier, Mike, players change from day to day, week to week, situation to situation. We don't know how that would play out. And what the way we've answered it before is we'll deal with it when we get to that point. Again, we're open to it. Um, if it works and for both sides, great. If it doesn't, then it won't. And then we have to react accordingly, not only the Steelers, but the player that may still be with us will have to act accordingly. I've seen some parallels from this situation to Terrell Owens in Philadelphia in 2005, where he was determined he was getting out. How concerned are you that it could take that turn where you have a guy who does everything he can to, to basically talk, tweet, whatever his way out of town, and you have a major distraction that is going to potentially infect your entire season. That can happen. Um, I always try to look at the, the, the optimistic side of things, especially um, if we're able to get the compensation we want, then we can maybe turn that into different players that maybe we have a better team so that maybe we're a playoff team right. next year. Right. So we, I always try to look at it optimistically. Sure, it could go the other way, and if it does, we'll deal with it. I'm very comfortable um, with our ownership, with our coaches, certainly with you know, the personnel folks being able to handle whatever situation comes up because this isn't the first time a player's been disappointed, and not only in with you know the, the Pittsburgh Steelers or the National Football League, no one's ever always happy. But if we can all just kind of present the best case scenario for the current situation, and right now the best case scenario is to look into the possibility of a trade. Further down the road, we'll see what the best case scenario is, and we'll try to work through it. Let me ask one more. Okay. Before I forget. Question, Hogger. March 17, that's a key date. That's a day that Antonio Brown has a $2.5 million roster bonus payment due. Is it your goal to get this resolved by then, or are you content to pay the bonus and trade him later if that's what yeah, transpires? Again, there's no timetable with this. If we have to do certain things to maintain what's best for us, then we'll do that. And we've talked through those different situations. We're all aware of where we are today, where we would be on March 17th, where we might be in the draft. And this whole week we get a lot of information about where we might be in the draft. And we may come away with this and say, wow, there's not enough players here to maybe, even if we get the picks we want, we're still not going to be a better team than we are with Antonio. And that could even um, strengthen our demands because, no, he's he's that good a yes, player that right. we're not going to get rid of him. It could go the other way. Certainly we acknowledge, hey, there's some great talent here. The more picks I get, the better. I'm not so much worried about getting, you know, the top pick, maybe if I get multiple picks, there's enough players. So at the end of this week, as we move through the pro days and our draft preparation, we'll be better at better versed in, in answering that question. Right. All right. Coincidental, maybe here, but I just because he asked about how you negotiate contracts. 
I mean, it, maybe this was coincidental, but the day Antonio Brown threw a fit was the day Juju Smith-Schuster got named offense MVP. Does that make you reevaluate as a team and go, maybe we shouldn't do that after the season or anything like that? Oh, the team MVP? Yes. Thing? No, right. I mean, that's that's been something they've done you know, way back into the seventies, as far as I, as far as I know, no, that situation, because it's a team vote. Yeah, it's not like a player. Right, right. I mean, the, uh, the coaches in the front office correct. are voting. Right. No, so I don't, I don't worry about that. And again, players can have a good game or a bad game, and sometimes you're disappointed you didn't contribute. That varies by, like I said, play to play, week to week, sure. game to game. Yeah. So that situation, no, we don't worry about right. that. I mean, I had to ask because there was a lot of people out there that speculated that was part of the reason of the blow up. Yeah, you were one of them. Practice. Of course I did. I mean, that's my job. I mean, that's yeah. A, you know what? And that's a fair question, Chris. It's just like, no, because again, situations happen during, you've been through it, a 16 game cycle. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's up and down yeah. and emotions. I mean, it's emotional. It's an emotional, competitive situation. We yep. have to try to best manage it. Yeah. Hey, last one, and we really appreciate your time here. You said last week that there were three teams that expressed interest in Antonio Brown. I understand earlier today you said there were more. Is there a number right now that you're willing to share with us as yeah, to how many teams? We're not going to get into a specific. Um, what I will say is, as we, as we mentioned with the combine, things change throughout the week. Um, you, you get a better grip on – where you might be in free agency, you get a better grip on where you might be in a draft, and teams may or may not continue to come to us. But there's been more conversation, and everything's pretty preliminary because everybody's doing what we're doing. We're trying to figure out what our alternatives are. Well, we wish you all the best as the offseason continues, and hopefully at some point it really will be a calm and boring and peaceful offseason for you in Pittsburgh. We'll get there only if we win. <laughs> All right, thanks again to Kevin Colbert for his time. Good job by Chris Sims asking some of the questions along with me. Next, we'll stay in the division. The brand-new head coach of the Cleveland Browns, a guy who a year ago no one was thinking would be a head coach anywhere, including Freddie Kitchens. Here is Browns coach Freddie Kitchens. They're very happy in Cleveland. The team has turned it around, and there's a new head coach. He is Freddie Kitchens, joins us here. We're happy. On we're very happy. We we're, know Cleveland is, but we're happy. We're happy. We have been pushing for the Browns and pushing for the Browns. It was great to see what happened last year. Now, if I tell you a year ago today that you'd be sitting here making the rounds today, doing press conferences, as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, what would your reaction have been? I would not have, um, I would not have agreed with you. Um, <laughs> You know, it's been a big change for me personally uh, and professionally, of course, uh, over the last year. But I've never been more excited about anything, you know, in my life. Uh, the people in Cleveland are excited, which, uh, you know, our work starts this week to to kind of lay the groundwork uh, to make that excitement relevant. I knew the guy was a good guy, Mike. I mean, from the Senior Bowl a few years ago, he was hanging out with Norv Turner, who I respect and like. Bruce Arians, of course, he worked for him. We know we like Bruce. But I, did, I needed a ride to Senior Bowl practice, and I ran out of the hotel. They told me it was going to be like 20 minutes for a taxi cab. And he saw me, and he saved the day and brought me to Senior Bowl practice that day. Uh, and that's where I finally learned or got to, got to meet Freddie. He thought you were Phil. <laughs> Might have. That's what <laughs> I was going to say. I was like, I just thought you were your dad. <laughs> but no, I remember Chris when he was playing quarterback at Texas uh, toward the last time. I'm older yep. than this. Well, yep, you're uh, bam. All I got to do is take this hat off, and you'd realize that. Uh, but, um, yeah, back when you were at Texas. Back in the day. Yeah. So um, when was the moment that you realized, you know what? I am going to end up being the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, I thought I had a good chance when I got an interview. Um, 
uh, you know, I treated the interview a little differently than probably some people. Uh, I didn't have a book. I didn't have a presentation. Uh, so I started working on a, a presentation on uh, that Friday, and, and everything that was in that book was my words. It was everything that I believed in. Um, so, you know, went in, didn't really use the book, but it didn't matter because I'd spoken those words and just put them on paper. Um, so, you know, I could speak the truth, per se, to myself. Give us a summary, uh, then. What, what, yeah. what was your pitch? Let's hear it. Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, my, the, my favorite quote in the world is a quote by Benjamin E. Mays, which was the, the president of Morehouse College. There's a high school in Atlanta named after him, and it's those who start behind in the game of life must run faster to catch up. Uh, I feel like I've been running fast my whole life. Uh, and that's not gonna that's not gonna quit anytime soon. Yep. So how do you you know how do you balance this? You get the you get the head coaching job. You were the offensive coordinator. You're making you know kicking butt with uh, Baker Mayfield. How are you gonna balance now still being you know in the room with him as an OC quarterback coach and still be the head coach? Well, I think once we get to the to the season right. or to training camp, uh, it's just coaching ball with that. So there's still gonna be things that come up. But if you just keep one simple goal in mind and every decision you have to make just do what's best for the team right take your ego out of the equation yep take your coaches egos out of the equation right and and do what's best for the football team uh because at the end of the day once you get to the field it's just coaching ball and they're playing ball but uh we're always going to do what's best for the player and it may not be best for uh, him individually, but it's going to be collectively best for the team. Right. Uh, that's the one thing that's never going to waver. Um, and that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to make decisions. You're still going to do the same thing. You're still going to call the plays and come yeah. up with the game plan and do all that, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've got a, we're formulating what the Cleveland Brown offense is going to be now. Yeah. Uh, we're going to keep the same terminology and, and things like that. But uh, from the standpoint of what our offense is going to look like, uh, it's getting formulated right now right. as slow as defense and special teams. Yeah, yeah. What's Baker Mayfield's best attribute? Uh, his competitiveness, uh, his relentless desire to be good. Um, you know, a lot of people can talk about it, and uh, but not a lot of people are willing to pay the price uh, either on or off the field to do it. And I think that's his. There's a lot of quarterbacks that's come through the National Football League that's uh, – has all the skill set. They they look great out here Saturday or Friday whenever the quarterbacks are throwing, but they don't succeed. Well, why do they not succeed? Uh, it could be, I mean, all of them could be taught to read defenses. All of them could be taught uh, there's a timing mechanism in your brain that the ball's got to get out. All those intricacies that you hear about coaching quarterbacks and playing quarterbacks. What separates Baker Mayfield from other people is his ability to be competitive on a day-in and day-out basis. Uh, and all those intangibles that there's no measurement, there's no measuring stick for it. Uh, you just have to have it. How do you find those intangibles in players? Like you're here at the scouting combine. It, it's it's not an obvious metric. Of all the things you guys are going to be looking at, that's the one thing you can't get to the bottom of. How, how do you try to peel back the layers and get to whether or not a guy is like a Baker Mayfield? This is a people business, and people don't like seem to forget that. This is at, at the core of everything we do. It's about a relationship that you have with a player or a coach or ownership or a general manager. It's about relationships. All right, so you start there, and you realize that the beginning of this relationship is starting this weekend or this week. And then you find out if football is important to them. If it's important to them and they can trust you, you can have difficult 
conversations and you're going to have to have difficult conversations. You're going to have to ask them to do difficult things uh, before you ever take off and succeed as a player, as a person, everything that you do. Uh, so I think you start this week by trying to see how important the game of football is for them. Have you ever been around a rookie with the kind of moxie that Baker had? I mean, it's jaw-dropping to us. Like, we feel like he's part of the changing of the culture of the organization. Mm-hmm. And he is. Yeah. And uh, I think, uh, I don't know that I've ever been around a rookie with that much uh, moxie, per right, se. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm glad he's got it. Uh, I know he's got confidence. Quarterback needs confidence. You know from playing, you would love a quarterback to try to fit a window in or fit a, uh, fit a football in a window yeah, this tight right. and fail. Right. All right. And the very next play is going to try to fit the same throw in there. Right. That's what Carson Palmer did. That's sure. what Kurt Warner did. Sure. The good ones, Tony Romo, those good ones that I've been around. Yeah. All right. Didn't necessarily coach them all, but been around them. Right. That's what they did. Right. They had the confidence. You don't ever want to take a player's confidence or his ego because they need those in one-on-one matchups. All right. That's yep. the only thing. The yep. game of football is a bunch of one-on-one matchups. Right collectively as a team and so if you take those uh the confidence in their ego they can't compete on a one-on-one basis then right or they their chances of success goes down well a quarterback first and foremost needs confidence yeah all right and their confidence can't be swayed by a decision or an interception or a fumble or a bad decision there's going to be more bad decisions down the road yeah right right? no so yeah so how does that that's another thing i wanted to ask you is how does he handle like you know bad plays or anything what, what does he do does he does he cuss himself out as he comes off the sideline what's his approach to him? well i'll tell you i think his his approach was uh we played houston his biggest growth in a game came against houston three picks in the first half three right? picks in the first half right and he came back out the second half and threw for lord knows how many yards yeah some big time throws yeah yeah and made some big throws in some tight windows right all right that should let you know everything you need to know about baker mayfield yeah. right there right all right yep. and got us really within a score, uh, you know, and we should have gotten back into the game. We had some other mishaps that happened from time to time. But, uh, you know, and the team rallies behind that. Yeah. You know, a leader. It seems The quarterback like. has to be your leader. Everybody agrees with that. Yes. Well, what is a leader? Well, a leader is I'm looking at if, if Mike's a leader, I'm looking at Mike and I'm going to gain confidence by just looking at him. I don't gain confidence when I look at him. <laughs> but go ahead. Shut up. Depends on where he's leading you to. <laughs> I know where I'd like to lead him to. But, you know, after that game, Tyron Matthew told me that Baker Mayfield's the real deal, yeah. even with the interceptions. He's like, this guy, they have the real deal in Cleveland. Well, coming from a guy like Ty, I was with Ty in Arizona, coming from a guy like Ty, uh, he'll call it like he sees it. Uh, and if he didn't think he was the real deal, he'd have said that too. Uh, but I love Ty, and, and I respect what Ty says and what he thinks, of course, as a player. How do you – let's flip it around. We talked about how Baker Mayfield deals with a negative play. All right, he has the confidence. He's going to have the praise locally and nationally. You guys are probably going to have – I got the over-under at four primetime games this year when the schedule comes out. How do you keep Baker Mayfield from becoming into, you know, too big of a personality, too big – of, a, of, a, of an ego and maybe too big for the team? Because that's got to be a concern yeah, right? at some point. Yeah, all your young yeah. players. How do, you, how do you deal with that? Well, I think uh, all, all of our young guys, football is very important to them. Football is important to Baker Mayfield. All right? So once it's important to them, and you know that that's the utmost of importance of anything else, he'd rather do football than do a commercial, okay, or whatever it is. Uh, you don't ever have to worry about that, I don't think. 
and you can have those conversations. Well, I don't think this is a good idea, whatever. And I haven't had any conversations because I don't think I need to. Uh, but Baker Mayfield, football is important to. Nick Chubb, football is important to. Miles Garrett, football is important to. Denzel Ward, football is important to them. Football is important to all these guys. All right, so they enjoy playing the game. And when they do that, I don't think you ever have to spend too much time worrying about that. And if you do ever, then football is important enough to them that you can have those conversations. What is it about you? I mean, you're you're starting to like venture into quarterback whisperville, okay? I mean, that's you know everyone's talking about with you. Like, what what is it about you, you personally, and even your experience with Bruce Bruce Arians, who seems to have that same persona that that makes people think that or say that? Well, first of all, when somebody says that about me, I cringe <laughs> about being a quarterback whisperer. I don't. I mean. Honestly, what the hell is a quarterback whisperer? I don't understand what that is. <laughs> yes. Right, that you're doing your job. Right, right. Like, ultimately, you did what the hell you're supposed to do yeah. and teach the quarterback. Yeah. All right, so that's not a whisperer. I know some people like to have labels, uh, and some coaches like to have labels. All right, so, yeah, uh, yeah I, don't, I don't ever want that label. I just want the label of being a good football coach that get players to know what to do, and, and it's important to them to do it. And uh, in some sense – uh, collectively, uh, and they just do their job because that's a reflection of you. Yeah. It's not the quarterback whisperer. You well, know? it jumps out to me just like a few segments during the year when you're on the sideline and you're rubbing Baker's head or you whisper something in his ear and I see he laughs and he might say a cuss word back to you. I just, yeah. uh, I, I think that goes a long way with a with a player or a quarterback. Well, I think, uh, again, my philosophy, my, the best coaches I had, and I'm sure you had them, Chris, that uh, the best coaches you've had, were the ones that got to know you personally, yeah. all right? Yeah. That's not changed. For all the internet, the video games, the Fortnite and all that, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff, the thing that's remained consistent with football is the computers have not come onto the field. Right. Okay? Right. So it's about people. It's a personal relationship that you develop with the player, all right? The player has to trust you. They have to respect you. And they have to be loyal. And you can't have loyalty until you have trust and respect. It's all those things combined into one that you're not going to get from a computer. You're not going to get it from a, a horse whisper or a quarterback whisperer <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. You're going to get that from a relationship that you build with the player. Right. And then you can have the tough conversations. You can have them ask them to do tough things. And that's when your team's going to come together. And that's when you're going to win. Right. And I feel like a key aspect that for you is to be con uh, honest and frank and candid with your players at all times. I know different coaches have different reputations about saying one thing and doing something else. Yeah. I get the impression that you're always going to be straight with your guys yeah. and, and whatever you say, they can take that to the bank. Well, I'm not ever, I'm not, I'm not always going to be right, but I can promise you this. Uh, I won't ever lie to them and they know that. Uh, and they're always going to be shot straight. They're going to know where they stand they're for the good and the bad. And you've got to praise them sometimes. You can't take – a coach can take a kid's confidence too now. Uh, and, and Definitely. Again, you can't – Yeah, you I've can't, seen it happen. Can, can I instill confidence in somebody? Well, you're going to gain confidence if you do something successfully. All right? So if I can teach them or, or us as a staff, if our line coach can teach our tackle uh, to pass protect uh, successfully, well, that's going to gain confidence. Well, he can sure take that confidence away just as easily as he gave it to him. Yeah. And that's what you don't want to get into the yeah. world of doing that. Right. Hey, and last one. Dorsey always wears his white Cleveland Brown sweater. Where's the dog pound? Buddy boy. Well, I uh, I don't know if uh, – first of all, I don't know if my wife would let me wear the dog pound <laughs> shirt here. I like they the love school it. hat, though. They love, yeah, on. I do. I like the little elf, too. Yeah. Um, but I don't – I have to leave that at home. I don't – 
look very save good. Save it for game days. Yeah, it's good it for, for game days. Day. <laughs> it's great. It's a great touch. I mean, it's yeah. you know, even though you're not a Cleveland guy, you are a Cleveland guy. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why one of the reasons why Browns fans are so excited. Well, I feel it. You know, I feel it. Uh, you know, Cleveland is a little bit on a, a much smaller scale, uh, like the area I grew up in in Northeast Alabama. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I feel it. Well, congratulations. We wish you all the best, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Thanks Chris. Thanks again to the Browns and Freddie Kitchens for making themselves available today for the interview at the Scouting Combine Media Center. We're going to wrap up this Wednesday edition of the PFTPM podcast. A guy who was an assistant throughout the league, worked with some great quarterbacks, became a head coach for the first time in Indianapolis on an interim basis and did well enough back in 2012 to become the coach of the year, then became the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, was the coach of the year there, retired after the 2017 season, spent a year in the broadcast booth and decided it was time to come back and coach again. So Bruce Arians, new head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Chris Sims and me at the media center at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Here it is. Joining us now, the Brett Favre of football coaches, retired twice and out of retirement twice. He's Bruce Arians. What's up, brother? We're glad you're back, coach. Great to see you. You're looking good. Good good to be back. So what did you miss the most about it the year you were out? The relationships with the players, you know, not being able to go into a locker room. People don't realize what happens in locker rooms, the the bonds that when you build a team and the bonds that guys make and what you go through, winning, losing, and uh, coaches, but more so the players. Yeah, you, you spoke about, you know, a little bit how the Cleveland job fancied you. Uh, obviously, this one did as well. What was it about going to Tampa that, you know, you love so much? It started with ownership. Yeah. A lot of respect for the ownership. The your family. And then Jason Light worked with him, know him, uh, know how good he is. Uh, then the whole coaching staff just fell in my lap. Right. I mean, everybody that, that I respect and know, and they were all available. So it was Six guys walk in, they already know the offense. Six guys already know the defense. And, you know, we got a great special teams group. So uh, that, that all the stars just align for it. Right. And how about the talent on the team? That, do you look at that with, like, Jameis and things like that? Was That, that, a that had, a, had a ton to do with it. Yeah. Had they had no quarterback, I probably would have said no. Right. But uh, I, I've, I've known him. I've got a ton of respect for him as a player. Uh, can he get better? Heck, yeah, we, we all can. But uh, he's got a great ability and he's got a great work ethic. I mean, when you have those two things, you should succeed. Yes. But I've never walked into a, a, a group of guys that had this much talent in the wide receiver room, the tight yeah. end room, right. and the quarterback room. It's like, we don't need – I asked each coach, what do you need? We just keep our guys. We're good, you yeah. know. I mean, yeah. that, it was – it's an amazing group of offensive skill players. What do you see in Jameis Winston that you believe will get him to the, the, the best of what we've seen over the first four years of his career and, and not the middle to worst that we've seen? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, obviously, is quit throwing interceptions. You don't have to be Superman with every throw, all right? That comes to knowing your offense inside out. Um, when to force it. When you have great arm strength, you try to throw. Yeah. Other guys don't try. Right. And uh, learning when to do it, when not to do it. Uh, I think with Clyde Christensen and Byron Leftwich coaching him, uh, they're doing a great job fundamentally and scheme-wise. So uh, I think with his work ethic, he's like I said, he's there at five o'clock every morning, and he he's not going to be outworked. So you got you got things to work with. You 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 think you can like coach that out of players? You know, like the you know the Brett Favre part of just the gambling. I'm going to throw in a quadruple coverage. I mean. If you're throwing up to Mike Evans, yeah, you got a good chance he's coming down with it, you know. <laughs> but be smart about it, yeah. You know, sure. Uh, those other receivers might not be able to do that, right? Uh, so, so know yeah. when to know know yeah. when when to pull the trigger, 
back off, dump it to the back. Right. Give me five yards and right. let's go the next down. Yeah, right, right. There's been so much talk about Deshaun Jackson supposedly wanting to leave the team. What's your pitch to get him to choose to stick around? I had a great meeting with Deshaun about two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I have a ton of respect for him as a player and a person. Uh, I thought the meeting went great. Uh, I can't speak for him, but I thought he was excited about it. And uh, I really look forward to working with him. You, I mean, quarterback whisperer. I don't even know you, and I want to play quarterback for you. I don't I mean he doesn't I mean, want you to play quarterback. I know he doesn't want me, but I, I want to play for him. Okay, this is my this is my fantasy, right? Um, but what what is it? You know, whether it's Peyton or Big Ben or Carson Palmer, it's just always rave reviews about how you are so cohesive. Well, What's I, your... the biggest thing is building trust, right? You know, to the point where why did that ball come out of your hand? Yeah. Don't tell me what I want to hear. The real reason. Why did, what did you see? Yeah. And when you build that, and I think that's the first step in coaching, is you have to have this trust that, that when you ask a question, you get, the, you get the real answer. Yeah, right. Not the one you think the coach wants to hear. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, it's always been that way. Uh, I think we run a, a sophisticated offense that's simple. Uh, we ask our quarterbacks to do a lot. And uh, if you're willing to put in the time, I think you can really succeed in this offense. Yeah. What's the most thing, most useful thing you learned that you can use to your coaching based upon your year in broadcasting? You know, every Friday I got to go to practice and, and see how everybody was doing it. I'm old school, man. I can't stand music. Everybody plays music. Right. It's like, all right, maybe I have to give in on music, <laughs> you know. But just how people were practicing, you know, how would they, how would they handle their walkthroughs, going straight into practice and um, – I saw some things that, nah, I never do that. Oh, I really like that, you know, and uh, surprised that some of the efficiency didn't show up on Sunday. Right. They were so good Friday. Right. Why didn't it show up on Sunday? Because I, I watched them practice that in the red zone. Right. And, and they blew it. Right. You know, but it was coached well, and they had a great Friday practice. I've been to others, like, balls on the ground everywhere. They, they threw for 500. They're amazing. That's, 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 yeah. like, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, is it going to make you tinker with your schedule? I mean, I know you're kind of an old school guy who's setting his ways probably in yeah. a lot of those. Are yeah. you going to the music thing for sure? For sure, they're going to have to talk me into that one. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the old airplane noise. You get a migraine headache after practice listening <laughs> yeah. to that crowd noise shit. Yeah, and uh, so, but no, that that's that's part of it. Yes. Yeah, you know, you've got to bend a little bit, and uh, but yeah, I mean. Thanks for being the first guy to swear on here besides <laughs> me just saying. Because I Other you beat me to the punch. Was, yes. That wasn't swearing. Yes, that's not a swear. You're right. I, don't I mean, I got in trouble for saying the guy was wide ass open uh, my first game. Hey, let me tell you, I use that phrase whenever I can now. Whenever I can. I, I don't say wide open anymore. Wide, 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 ass wide ass open. Um Scouting Combine. And and I have a feeling that you'll be candid with us about this because you're candid about everything. Give me one thing about this process that you would just get rid of if you were in charge of it. Hmm. Probably the offensive line drills, you know, put put some shoulder pads on them, let them let them do what they really do. Right. I mean, you see athleticism. I don't judge players on the combine. Guys will catch your eye. They ran a four three and turn the tape on. He runs four five. Yeah. There's a guy playing four five, but he plays four three. You know, so believe what the tape shows you. This can confirm some things. You know, it might he might be stiff. He might not be stiff. Uh, so you can see the athletic part of it that that might go with the tape. Uh, I enjoy the interview part. Uh, I don't ask many questions. I, I try to figure out how, 
who coached him, who's his agent, how he coached him, then throw that question out that's going to blow his mind and see if he sweats. Right. Now that's my. That's the most fun here. And just off kilter, it oh, could yeah. be anything. Anything. And you can tell that they're they come in there with a facade. They're oh, packaged. Yeah. They know exactly what to say. They they got their routine going. You break that routine, can they now? That also tells me, can they adjust as a player? Right, sure. All right, can they think on their feet? Or are they just robots? Right. Game plans change. Oh, yeah. They're guard, right guards out, and now we got to do a whole yeah. different thing, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Uh, you you got to first order of business in Tampa Bay. Did you put some pictures of me in the facility? Oh, I haven't seen one yet. Oh, damn. I, I totally forgot about it. I mean, geez, lose a spleen for a team. The one guy get a picture. died on the field, and they can't put a picture of him. What can a guy do? I'm going to go down by the training room make sure we have one. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Thanks right. a lot. Hey, uh, we're, we're delighted that you're back in the game. Really, the, the sport is more fun when you're in it, and we hope Definitely. you're back for a long time. Uh, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Ben. Okay, thanks, Coach Arians. Thanks to the Buccaneers. Thanks to everybody who made themselves available to us on Wednesday. You will see, if you haven't already, videos of these interviews at profootballtalk.com. You go there, you see it, you click on it. Sometimes you'll get a 30-second ad on the front end, but if you if you are patient enough to sit there and and hear what the ad has to tell you about whatever good or service we are offering to you, and obviously not doing it for free, that's part of how we get compensated for our work, then you will hear the full interview with whoever it may be. And there were plenty of them on Wednesday. There'll be more on Thursday. And then we wrap things up on Friday. And before you know it, we'll be at the owners meetings in Arizona doing the same thing all over again. So thanks as always for your support of the PFTPM podcast. We'll have another one tomorrow with more interviews. And at some point, either late this week or early next week, we'll do a longer form PFTPM where I'll answer your questions and we'll talk about other things that are happening in and around the National Football League. We'll do this again on Thursday. Thanks again for your time. And check us out Thursday morning, 6 a.m. Eastern, NBC Sports Radio, with the simulcast beginning an hour later on NBCSN. Have a great day. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.